With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life. With Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 G'day, I'm Ian. Welcome to Trot's Live for a Thursday. No, Toby McKinnon, just J-Bon uh, once again for the next couple of weeks until uh, Wombat uh, rejoins us on a Thursday. But there's good news because last week we inaugurated a brand new Thursday morning segment on Trot's Life, and it is the news updates, breaking news with Tim O'Connor. He's on the line. Talk, how are you, mate? Hey, mate, good to hear your voice. Uh, hopefully you've got a couple of fishermen friends in the top pocket, or no doubt you do, and uh, you can get through the next couple of hours. Yeah, uh, it's it's marginally better than it was yesterday, but uh, the less uh, the the less yelling, the better. Um, so hopefully not too many winners tonight on the lid to fly no as well. Fly. <laughs> and then uh, and then tomorrow morning, and then uh, I think I've actually got a, a weekend, maybe a weekend off. We'll, we'll find out. All right, let's get to the news. Very big news. I mean, we're pleased to hear this, but Rock and Roll Do, whose flight out from Australia was this morning, has landed safely on Kiwi shores. Yes, he has. Of course, he won the Victoria Cup on Saturday night. Jabon Rock and Roll Do, trained by Michael Stanley uh, here locally near me in Burren Beat. The, the horse has landed. Mick tweeted this morning about an hour, hour and a half ago that the horse had arrived. Uh, he said, we've arrived safely on New Zealand soil in great shape and he's handled the trip like a professional. I've seen a couple of photos, so he looks happy, well. He's there, ready to rock and roll, of course, ahead of the New Zealand Cup on November 8. It looks like he'll have... Uh, all going well, a lead-up run in the Ashburton Flying Stakes on October 24 to get his eye in and iron out any bugs. So he's uh, he's ready to go. He's the second favourite in uh, the market for the New Zealand Cup. And uh, Mick Guerin reported, uh, I wasn't actually aware of this, but he would be only the second horse this century to win, uh, sorry, this century, uh, the second Australian trained horse this century to win the New Zealand Cup if he was successful on November eight, of course, uh, I reckon it was Arden Rooney. The other one wasn't it? Would have to be. It was. We're it wasn't all. It, it wasn't all that uh, long ago, was it? With Arden Rooney, that we broke the duck. But you get the funny feeling, don't you? I, I, I'm not. Jeez, the Kiwis will—they'll uh, come after me. Um, and I think their trotters are probably better than ours. And my whole gear, and we'll talk to him a little after twelve today, and he will confirm said fact. But you get the feeling that. Um, Maybe well, the Mark Purden machine alone, not not quite being uh, the size and breadth and depth that it once was, gives 
Australians an opportunity, but it's still a big decision to go over there. We know the New Zealand Cup is one of the absolute jewels in the Australasian harness racing crown, but uh, rock and roll do. Is, I mean, this is a big decision from Michael Stanley and Brendan James to go over there knowing that uh, there's every chance that um, just, just by going to New Zealand, not by winning the Cup, but by going to New Zealand, they might be precluding themselves from being ready and set to go for it into Dominion later in the year. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big decision. I, I get the gut feel uh, that it's a bit of a bucket list item for Brendan James, the uh, the owner of the horse. So, um, yeah, this was locked away as a potential option, I guess, uh, if all things were going well and he performed up to the level they hoped he would uh, for a while now. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, the news today, I guess the breaking news off the top is that he's in New Zealand. He's there for the Cup on November 8. Looks like he'll have a lead-up run in the Ashburton Flying Stakes on October 24, so 11 days from now. And, uh, yeah, he's, as I said, he's a $4 second favourite. Was chatting to Andrew Spagnolo from the tab this morning as well, just getting a bit of a feel for whether there had been some support for him in the New Zealand Cup. And he said there's been a lot of money for him. So uh, the punters liked what they saw, uh, at least on Saturday night and even prior. So, um, yeah, they're confident. Uh, well, the punters are backing Mick to go over there and, and perform with Rock and Roll Do. He's, uh, yeah, he's an excitement machine. And no doubt that this campaign has been the best of his career. And we've long heard Mick tell us that uh, he's a very... Very, very good horse, and we're finally seeing it. So fingers crossed from a Victorian and Australian perspective that he can do us proud. I also saw Jay Bond, the Majestic Cruiser, uh, is also heading. I didn't uh, follow that news up. Obviously, that horse is trained by Jason Grimson in New South Wales, but we might have two runners from Australia in the New Zealand Cup on November 8. And Majestic Cruiser is planning, I believe, to uh, to come back and back up into into an Inter-Dominion series. Um now, this is a question without notice, so if you don't know, that's uh, that's 100% fine. But do we know who Michael's staying with over in New Zealand? Uh, I heard, and I tried to find this this morning, or I remember seeing it or hearing it somewhere, but I'm, I'm told Crandall Getty is that's, with yeah, him. Actually that, uh, is, that, have you yeah. heard that? That, that? I heard the same thing, yeah, now that you've mentioned it. Yes, Crandall Getty. I won't commit Getty. to it, but uh, that's the rumour going around anyway. Oh, that's um, there's not so many better places you could be than in Crandall Getty's joint, so... Uh, uh, all I will say is very well done if you backed rock and roll do in uh, in previous weeks in the lead up to this trip, mm-hmm. knowing that Michael had outlined that it would be happening. I do think he's the horse to beat. I'd probably tell punters now just um, keep the powder dry. I reckon at four dollars though, uh, I, I don't know that there's that there's a lot of point at, the, at this juncture having a go at four dollars. You want to see now that he acclimatises, he races well because. He ain't going to start a hell of a lot shorter than that in the New Zealand Cup anyway, is he? No, you wouldn't have thought. I've uh, got the market in front of me. Self-assured, $3.50. Rock and roll do four. Akuta, five fifty. Copy that, seven fifty. South Coast Arden, 11 Spankham, 11 Alta Wise Guy, 15 Betty Joe, 15 Krug, 15 Majestic Cruiser, 15 There, the, the horse is under $20. But, yeah, you wouldn't think. I mean, even if he came out and, and won the, the Ashburton Flying Stakes on October 24, oh, he might trim into what... Three three fifty, but he's not going to go around as a two dollar favourite, is he? So just wait and see. And you might, you know, there might be some support for other runners. So I think you're right. Uh, there's there was certainly some people with some full pockets. I saw seventy one dollars bet about him for the Victoria Cup, Jay Bon, yeah, and uh, well. a, a man we know fairly well. I think might have got a solid piece of that. <laughs> I, I I still don't know who you're talking about, but I'm glad we both know him well. <laughs> just in Good ca- on him. <laughs> just in case uh, payday is right around the corner, but it's always nice to know somebody who's had a big win. Always nice to know that. Now, we, we know uh, we've been told for days and days that uh, the return of Patrick Swayze down at Winky Pop and Bells Beach with the 100-year storm is 
upon us, and now it has it has started to land. It's only probably uh, going to get worse, but we've already lost Hamilton today, and there's going to be a vet check on Kilmore for tonight, Doc. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, I was chatting to Stephen Bell ahead of racing and wagering uh, before. Uh, he was under the impression that we'd be we might be right for for um, Hamilton, and I, and I popped that out on Twitter, and um, within 15 minutes that had changed and it was off. So that, that's the way it happens. Though. Like he was, there, there appeared to be not a stack of rain there last night in Hamilton. I think he said 12 mils. So I think at that stage, uh, about you know half an hour ago, an hour ago, they were confident the meeting might get up. But yeah, things have changed. They've had um, they just couldn't get any. I'll read out of the I'll read off the Twitter uh, handle the HRV Integrity Unit. Uh, the meeting. At Hamilton has been abandoned due to the state of the track. The mobile barrier is unable to gain traction and consistent rainfall resulting in conditions uh, being safe for racing to proceed. Um, that mightn't be the best worded tweet I've ever seen, but uh, you get the point. The, um, the, the meeting's off, you know, too wet. The, the mobile can't get traction. And, and, and chatting to Bally, and he makes a good point. I mean, I know some people would have already started to leave, but... You, if you can avoid it, you don't really want people on the roads around these country areas if you can avoid it as well. So I think it's a good result, uh, or a good call. To, so Hamilton's off, and Kilmore at 12 o'clock, there'll be a track inspection. Bond, the first of 10 races there, I think, just after 6 p.m. So they're, they're looking to make a really nice early call there. I think we can um, we can put it in our, our multis that Kilmore will be off. I'd be That'd be my gut feel. I think there was torrential rain there last night. So... I would. Uh, Hamilton's definitely off for those looking to have a bet today, and also Kilmore looks unlikely, but a decision would be made after a track inspection at noon today. Well, those, for those properties, particularly the ones, um, well, everywhere really, but the ones around the mountain region that have got you know dams associated with them and all the rest. It's like not only can you not race, but I, I don't know how you you move these horses around or or work with them. To be honest, so um, I, I do think. Uh, safety first approach and as you mentioned calling the races off as early as possible so that people sort of aren't have, haven't gone through um, the mud at home to to try and make their way to a race meeting that's never going to take place is the right way to go about it so um, good and bad news I guess Hamilton's off but at least we know and I think we'll know about Kilmore relatively soon uh, before we go to the yeah. first Socials. So, oh, yeah, just keep across the, the HIV yeah, socials. Yeah, HIV socials, yep. Um, quick one before we go to our first break. We'll come back with more news, but good to hear. I'll be chatting with Andy Gath. He's, he's making his triumphant return <laughs> to Burning Questions today, and his star trotter, Majestuoso, is on his way back to the trial soon. Yeah, just a quick little news snippet there. Uh, Andy tells me he'll likely trial on October 24 at Melton. That's a Monday, so uh, what's that, 11 days away from now. Uh, he hasn't raced since July 2 when he ran third in the Tab Touch Merchant free-for-all. He had those three runs, if you remember, after he won the great, uh, sorry, the Trotting Grand Prix in February. Then he had a bit of a break, and then he had those three runs through June and July, and he just wasn't at his best, was he? A um, few things went wrong, and then they, they sent him out for a break, and he's, he's been back in work for a while now, but he'll be obviously aimed at the, the big races, including the Inter-Dominion. Uh, he's right up in the market there for the Inter-Dominion, and um, Andy said he'll have his first trial more than likely on October 24 at Melton. I'm loving this new segment, uh, getting getting all the uh, the hot news, because th- this is the stuff that you just don't know that's going on in the background. So uh, let's go for a break, come back. There's still plenty more to come. We're going to talk to Tok for another quarter of an hour and get some more news, extract some more news out of him, and then some guests for the Saturday night meeting as we head towards more 
would you believe it, more Group 1 racing with the Catanars, Jewelers, Victoria Trotters Oaks, Michael Guerin to join us afternoon, and also the Tasmanian racing segment with Jamie Cockshut and friend. Back very soon, Trot's Life here on SEN Track. You're listening to Thursday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Doesn't that just get you a little bit excited? Love it when Tom Bang's got his his mood boost music on Spotify. God bless the man. Uh, welcome back. Thursday edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. And we have Tim O'Connor on the line who's delivering all the hot news. And a Ballarat native himself. Um, he knows how much the team there are resistant to the sprint lane. But there's an Inter-Dominion series coming up last time they ceded to the desire of Harness Racing Victoria to put the sprint lane in. Will it be happening again, Talk? It will, mate. It will. Uh, I was chatting to Paul Rouse. I was down there at the track uh, earlier this week, and uh, yeah, the, the club can confirm that they will have a sprint lane. It's part of the conditions for the Inter-Dominion Series, so I guess it's not a surprise, but uh, they'll follow the path of 2018 when they held heats there and put a sprint lane in. I'm told it's going in later this month, and we, uh, we as punters and trainers and drivers that are listening in will get two looks at it before the Inter-Dominion heats, so... November 2 and November 9, Ballarat have meetings. Right. That's their next two meetings, and we'll get two looks at it there. So that's I think that's a good thing. And then we've got the Inter-Dominion qualifiers on November 26. So uh, two meetings, probably somewhere in the vicinity of 20 races to see how it looks and uh, how it plays and whether it makes a difference uh, before the Inter-Dominion heads. I think that's a, a really good idea from the club. We had uh, I went back through the the race dates back in 2018 and we had one meeting to look at it uh, ahead of the Inter-Dominion heats back then but uh, two meetings like November 2 and November 9 before the Inter-Dominion heats with a sprint lane on November 26 uh, it, it is good oh, look I'll be honest with you I don't rec- I, I don't reckon those a lot of the um, conditions <laughs> for the Inter-Dominion are worth the paper that they're written on but and probably Ballarat could resist if they wanted to but uh, I, I think it's actually magnanimous of the club to say, okay, uh, let's not get into some argy-bargy and potentially miss out on a heat because people are unhappy with the situation because they want uniformity throughout the series. So mm. um, it, it is a good thing, and I like the fact that it, it'll be in a couple of times. I'm with you, Tox, so that we, as punters as much as anything, can get a look at how it's going to operate and, um, and and sort of how it how it behaves in a normal race meeting. Yeah, that's spot on. Uh, I was chatting to Rousey about it. Uh, so Jordan Robinson's going to head up that uh, the works there later this month. And um, so just some specifics. Uh, it's only going to be a, a one-horse sprint lane, so sort of a 1.5-metre uh, cutaway there. It's going to go... Uh, Rousey tells me that the length of the Ballarat Strait is 230 metres and the width of the Strait is 18.3 metres for some specifics. But we're going to get about a 190-metre sprint lane. So... Uh, look, like you get a good look. As I said, it's only the one horse um, width-wise. So, I mean, they're just little extra things to, to keep in mind. But uh, I went back through, and uh, I think the only winner back in 2018, uh, there was one winner on Inter-Dominion Heat Night, and it wasn't in one of the heats, but it was in an earlier race. Pocket the Deal got up at around 50-1, to 1, up along the sprint lane, drawing barrier one. So you can win there on the sprint lane in Ballarat. You can, and, you know, well, what what the people of Ballarat will tell you every day of the week anyway. So a one-horse sprint lane's fine because 
um, there's a belief, you know, most of the horses roll off. So most of the yeah. leaders roll off to some degree. So you've got the original run that's normally there purely because, you know, the, the leader rolls off and there's usually a, a, enough room for one horse to get through. And if there's a one-horse sprint lane, that's a nice long – that's another 40 metres longer than Melton 190 metres. So uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see how it plays out as we head towards Just- the Inter-Dominion Series. Yeah, Tom? Yeah, just just one little uh, last point there, and this is not uh, by any means on the record, but I'm happy to talk about it. I, I think there will be a, a pretty solid discussion at committee level about leaving it in. Um, I'm not saying that they will, Whoa. but I, I think I think they're open to talking about it. Put it that way. Um, there's not maybe I don't know this for sure, but maybe there's not the resistance that there was prior to it, and. Um, it certainly be, will be discussed, no doubt, uh, that uh, after the Inter-Dominion heats on November 26, whether they leave it in uh, for a little while, uh, maybe they do a trial period. You know, Don't be surprised if we, we see a couple of meetings afterwards as well. This is why it's hard to believe in anything in the world anymore. You can't believe in anything, can you? You can't, <laughs> believe, you can't believe in God. You can't believe in the goodness of humanity. If anybody had ever told me that Ballarat <laughs> were open to the idea of a sprint lane coming in with the current administration... I would have told you, no, this is this can't be true. Have you got have you got any idea where the change of heart has emanated from? No, I don't. And uh, look, yeah, look, I, this is purely just. Uh, I think there'll be a discussion. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, maybe. you're having bit regret now, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, there's certainly no um, confirmation or no um, lean either way. I wouldn't know, but um, I don't even know who's on the committee. I know maybe one of the people, but there certainly will be. Um, it will be discussed, and maybe look, maybe it gets knocked on the head again. But there will be. Um, I just get the feel, and this is just my gut feel that. You know, and I don't even know personally whether I actually think I want one in there anyway. I'm pretty happy with the way it races. I know what I get when I bet there. Um, you know, I know the way the races play. So I'm not advocating for it, but I just think there will be a discussion about leaving it in. Maybe um, maybe it gets knocked on the head, but uh, I think that discussion will happen, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, I'll say a couple of quick things before we move on. One is Ballarat do such an exceptional, extraordinary job that they should be able to decide for themselves whenever they want to have one or not have one at any time and, yep. and no one else should be involved in forcing them into that decision or trying to um, um, paint them into a corner. But I will say this, and I've believed this for years, it's the pattern of racing here in Victoria in particular that sometimes causes – a lot of people think that without a sprint lane – everyone would be attacking from the 1,000-metre mark and, and everyone would be rolling around and there'd be mid-race pressure. It's just a myth. It's a myth. Yep. Um, yep. So it, it doesn't happen. It's, and, and it's and it's as much cultural as anything else. It's not got to do with 1,000-metre tracks, in my opinion. It's not got to do with uh, sprint lanes. It's just the fact that horses, much as they do in the thoroughbreds, like to go quickly at the start, quickly at the finish, settle into their positions, and that's just the way of the world these days. So um, that's my take. Maryborough Cup is going to be a belter on... Sunday, jeez, uh, beyond a lot. I know he was Herculean first up from a break, but dear Lord, he's short talk. 
Yeah, I, I'll just get the market up while we're talking. But I, I did see he opened favourite as I click on that. He is well. He's been even backed. I saw him at two forty. He's into two fifteen. So um, he's one of five Emma Stewart trained runners in the Maryborough Gold Cup field, uh, which is on Sunday. As you said, it it's a it's a ripper race, and so is the Trotters Cup. We'll run through the field just really quickly. Uh, so the Community Bank Maryborough Gold Cup, a Group Three event, thirty five thousand dollar race. Uh, race eight on the card, the last leg of the Quaddy. Western Sonador Barrier One, Cosimo Barrier. Two Beyond Delight three Crime Rider four Act Now last year's Derby winner Barrier five Seb's Choice six Our Millionaire seven then off the back row Phoenix Prince Torrid Saint Like a Wildfire and Better Be the Bomb Beyond Delight as you said two forty into two fifteen Our Millionaire at five dollars in from nine fifty and the plunge landed on Crime Rider but he's drifted this time six fifty out to eight dollars of course that plunge on Saturday night mm. I reckon he was fifty one into about six J Bond. Yeah, it was beautiful. It really was. Um, <laughs> so, but, uh, and the yeah, do you want go, to keep touching on the pacing cap, or do you want to look at the just quickly? Then we'll go on to the trotters. Um, uh, just from a punting perspective, for mm. those wanting to have an early bet, I reckon Torrid Saint seems ridiculous overs given the quality of opposition he's been tackling at eight dollars, and better be the bomb at twenty three and five. Looks a great bet as well. Here, I know that. It looks like Emma Stewart's going to dominate the race, whether Beyond Delight leads or leads and hands up to act now and gets the perfect running behind the leader. Maybe it will be one of those country cups where not a lot happens, but I can't help thinking that Torrid Satan better be the bomb with their uh, ring craft experience and hard fitness are both going to be really hard to beat at good odds. Trotters Cup, go through the field for this one, Doc. Yeah, Group 2 event, $30,000 race. Uh, the Dancing in the Dark, uh, Elderbaran Park, Maryborough Trotters Cup. Uh, both these races, the pacing and the trotters, are over the long trip of 2690 metres. This is a standing start. Barrier 1, who's the man, was the emergency. He has come out. So it's Kuka Lane, Barrier 2. One overall, Barrier 3. Don't care, the horse I really like. Barrier 4. Zaram, 5. A knockout chance for me. Six, Loxley Lover. Seven, all cashed up. Back row, well, um, second row runners here. Um, Powder Keg, eight. Robbie Royale, nine. Parisian Artiste, uh, ten. Brownlow Prince, Sundon's Courage, have horse will travel. Just those horses off the back, uh, sorry, the, the handicap runner. So ten metres for Robbie Royale. Parisian Artiste, 20. Brandlow Prince, 20. Sundon's Courage, 20. And have horse will travel off 30. Going to be hard for him, but he's racing really well. Bon, we like him. Uh, but the the way I would play early, I'm just looking at the market. I'm just a big fan of Don't Care. Uh, last prep and this prep has gone to another level. I reckon 550. Um, he looks a good bet to me. It just seems uh, some of these some of these good horses are handicapped out of it. I believe uh, the the only bit of intel that I can provide comes via a conversation with Greg Sugars going back a couple of weeks ago on this very station on this very show where he did mention one overall, it wasn't that long ago. It feels like it was ages ago, but it wasn't that long ago. We were talking about him. Have they got a new star? And then everything Mm. went pear shaped. He's gone for a break, but Greg did mention that there's not a massive difference between just believe and one overall for ability. Now just believe is a far more professional customer. We know that, but he just comes off winning the, uh, the Bill Collins Trotter Sprint on Saturday night on Victoria Cup night at Tabcourt Park, Melton. You're not getting any great overs about one overall at $5.50, but just keep in mind that uh, they've got a very good opinion of that horse still, even though it seemed like things went 
all ask about uh, at the end of the last preparation. Talk, you've done a wonderful job, mate. You get on with your other 97,000 duties now for the rest of the day, and we'll catch up again soon. Good to be on. Thanks for having us, and we'll see you next Thursday. There's Top. We're going to go for a, uh, a look at the news, and when we come back, Jeff Webster is going to join us here on this Thursday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. You're listening to Thursday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. There's a couple of mix songs going on there. You're doing some DJ work over there, Tom Bang. Good to see you, mate. Uh, welcome back. This is the Thursday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track, and we're joined by Jeff Webster, who's got some critical runners on Saturday night at Tabcorp Park. Melton, how are you, Jeff? Yeah, we're going good, Bonner. How's the, um, how's the weather treating you down, down Geelong way? Is it, um, is it a situation? I, I can't – you would be in a – Maybe a problematic situation way down there, wouldn't you? No, we're pretty good. It's um, you know everything's saturated like everywhere else, and um, but now we've you know we've uh, I was able to work the horses this morning, the ones that were racing and stuff. So, we're, but yeah, overall I think uh, yeah we're in a, not a bad spot actually. It's, you know, I've got a river down the back there that uh, takes most of the water away from me and gives it to someone else. So <laughs> that's how, how it is here. You th- having lived in Geelong for 30 years, you think I'd bloody know how it works down in Bannockburn Way, wouldn't you? But uh, apparently I don't. I, I, just, I just know it's all the way down the hill. But um, um, the, uh, how much, like, obviously for you maybe it's not too bad, but in terms of when, when it does get so wet that you can't, you can't do much or you can't work the horses for anybody right around the state right now, right around the eastern seaboard, right around the country – what what does it sort of do? Can you can you manage situations and everyone's in the same boat and it's not a big deal, or does it really become a problem trying to get the horses where you want them to be going into the races? Well, we haven't uh, been subjected to this before, but uh, New South Wales, you know, they've you know for the last eighteen months up there, they've had to deal with an angle and that was flooded a couple of times, two or three times, and uh, so yeah, this is a bit new to us. Um, but no, you, you, you know. Most people can get through uh, working, you know, their horses at some degree. They can either gallop them or do something with them, and you know. And and the thing about you know the, the standard bread today, they're, they're not like the old days that you know you had to go out and work them super super hard every day and whatever. They they seem to be able to do a lot less work and still race consistently well. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a real issue. You know, we, we we'll get through it. Before we get into the runners for Saturday night, there's a couple in race one, and there's another one that uh, I'm virtually declaring later in the program. But um, overall, mate, the team going well. It didn't work out for Elegant in the Oaks final, but um, she's come a long way. She's gonna, she's certainly going to make the grade, isn't she? Yeah, I went home shattered. I couldn't understand why she went so bad. I, I you know, I, I thought she must have fibrillated or something. Um, they checked her after the race, and her heart was fine. But it seemed to me like that was the issue. But since then, I got a blood test done, and she was tied up pretty badly. So uh, I think, you know, I think that must be the reason. So uh, yeah, we're um, looking onwards and upwards. It pulled up fine from it, but it was just a shattering night. Yeah. When you're looking at the like the most excited, the ones you're most excited about in your camp going forward, is she top of the tree? Pretty much, yeah. She's uh, yeah, she's probably the best one I've got at the moment. Um, um, I think Doug Taylor's a nice horse, but after what those two-year-olds did the other night, I went home a bit shattered with that race as well. <laughs> I had one in it, but 
they were just awesome, those two Captain Treacherous horses. It's just freaky. It's, it, that homegrown classic was supposed to be for the second tier ones, Jeffrey. Yeah, I know. I know. I had one going around in it, and yeah, we got our tails kicked. Um, look, how hard is it to find races for uh, for Doug's Bay? Because, I mean, she she's a really high quality mare. You, you'd look back, wouldn't you, and you'd say, if I'd gotten her in, a, in another generation in another year. You'd be looking forward towards the really big races and thinking you had a massive hope. It's just, it's it's just freakish to think how good a few of them are out of that year because Doug's baby's a, a very nice mare in her own right. It's just that there's three or four or five that are just crazy good. Yeah, that's you're exactly right. She, she was just unluckily born in the wrong year because uh, you know, she still won a hundred thousand as it is, but gee, she could have easily tripled that. You know, with a bit of luck along the way. But uh, yeah, she's. She's just a really honest little silly and or she's nearly man she's in there. So uh, yeah, she's just gonna have to butter up against them every time. We've got no we can't dodge them, so uh, uh that's that's where she's at. So we've we've just gotta take to take them on every time they come up. Now, who's the better of the two horses in the first race on Saturday night, Major Major or Ira Pool? Well, they're both works in progress. I, I I really like both horses, but they've just been so disappointing over the years. Off and on, they've shown me glimpses. Well, I know how you know. I know they're nice horses. Uh, at home, Major Major would beat Ira Paul every day of the week, but he doesn't race consistently. Um, but they're both really handy horses, even though the form lines are just otherwise. But uh, I well, I, I think Major Major will end up probably being a bit better than Ira Paul, but uh, he he goes all right too. So uh, we know he's got. He's always had gates a bit of major, major, but probably haven't wanted to use it too much and try and conserve him and build up his confidence so he can finish his races off. W- what happens from the pole marking draw? Does Dasher basically have to use it on Saturday night? Yeah, he. Um, well, you know, looking at the form of Beach Villa, I don't think it matters what way we draw. I think that you know, he, he just looked. He looked awesome at Kilmore, so. Uh, if he produces that again, I, I don't think that you know we can beat him. But uh, in saying that, um, I do. I do think Major Major is definitely, you know, he, he's a nice horse too. But uh, uh, no, Jack will have to come out and try and and, and hold the others until Beach Villa gets there. I'd say that's probably the way to drive ours now because um, he's been driven upside down two or three times, Major Major, and he just things go better with a fit. So that would be the plan. I'll tell you another horse I reckon probably goes better with the sit, but I think we'll be leading on Saturday night is Cobber, who drops uh, exponentially in grade pole marking draw. I feel like this is this is his go. It's the right sort of grade for him. Short course racing. Um, he has disappointed a couple of times when heavily pressured in front, Cobber, but he's uh, he's a pretty nice horse. And I just wonder whether even, even though he's finished ninth and seventh in those really good races, whether that sort of maybe hardened him up a little bit. Yeah, he was unlucky last that. He, um, <clears throat> even Ryan said he, you know, he should easily qualify for the final. The derby, just uh, he went five for pegs and probably should have stayed one off. And um, <clears throat> cost us getting in the final, but that didn't matter. You know, he wasn't up to those class anyway. But uh, yeah, the, the only thing, the only dampener was that the, the, the ninth, um, where he led, he didn't, he didn't do much. I was very disappointed with that. But yeah, he's been, he's been good since and everything like that. And like you say, the seventeen hundred. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard to beat. You know, um, I'm a shadow boxer. Goes all right. It's going to have to follow him, so it, it might be the danger. 
Is is that going to be his go in life going forward? Is he is he going to be best probably under these circumstances always where he can he's either lead or probably trail if he goes up in grade and, and short course racing, or has he got a little bit more scope than that? Well, he handled the twenty seven hundred right in the in the heat of the derby, so yeah, driven quietly. I don't think that uh, distance is an issue. It's just a matter of getting the you know an economical run with him. Yeah, he's a real nice three year old. Like considering you know these are these are older horses and so forth. He's still you know he's still got the the breeders' ground and the big red three year olds coming up. You know, not saying he can win them, but he'll be you know competitive against the best ones going around. So uh, he's done a really good job. Now, have you got a winner at the uh, the home deck of Geelong? Elder Baron Misty there and and uh, Elder Baron Styles as well. Can either of them be winning at Geelong? Uh, well, I had to sack my best. No, not sack. Sorry, scratch my best one, uh, Bromwich. I thought he he had a really good chance, but uh, uh, Elder Baron Misty, she's just basic. She's you know she's always around the money now. She's um, she's still you know she's only a, a young horse racing the older horses, and um, she was a little bit unlucky last start there that she got interfered with up the state and was going to, you know, run the place quite easily. So she, she'll she be, yeah, with the right run, she can win. The other horse, well, he's, uh, he's let me down a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, if he trots, you know, he'll be around there. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced he's, he's, he's foolproof yet. So I, my best hope is out about Misty, but I wouldn't be getting too carried away with her either. How highly do you rate Bromwich? Because uh, I'll tell you what a, a beautiful situation might be for you here. I mean, talking about this, it feels like till I'm blue in the face, but there's an Inter-Dominion series and some four-year-old races coming up towards the end of the year. Can you convince everybody else to go to the Inter-Dominion and you can target the four-year-old races? Yeah, no, he's um, um, he's been a little bit inconsistent as well, but this time, you know, he's... I'm really happy with him. He settled, you know, used to get real keen and rippy and all that sort of stuff, and so that was his undoing, and then his gallop and so forth. But his uh, his last start was really good. Uh, he set outside the leader and hit some nice horse and, and and hit the line strong. So now he's he's uh, he's a horse that um, you know he'll be winning in town, um, and the four-year-old races will suit him. So yeah, you know, he's I'm looking forward to him in the next two or three months. All right, that's very interesting. Uh, Bromwich will be one we're looking forward to, and also uh, Allegan. I'm sorry to hear how things w- actually went down on Saturday night, um, because there was a, there must have been a pretty big expectation because your uh, your regular rainsman on that horse, I think, he's got a pretty big opinion of her as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just one of those things that you know out of our hands. So uh, yeah, it was, it was just put that behind us and uh, look forward to the future because yeah, he's, he's definitely a really nice man. Elegant. Watch her for the future. And she'll usually be a prize because that's just the way things are at the moment. Um, so many good horses going around. We've got a couple of big Futurity Series at the end of the year. Uh, very much appreciate your time, Jeff, and good luck. Thank you very much. Jeff Webster, legend. Love him. One of my favourite people in the game. Let's go for a break. Come back. More Trot's Life after this. You're listening to Thursday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Doesn't seem to be raining for five minutes. <laughs> here right in the next studio pointing at us. Um, conditions have been inclement, however. Uh, our next guest here on the Thursday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track is Emmett Brosnan. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, guys. 
now, talk us through, before we get stuck into the runners for Saturday night, uh, obviously tough news. Was it about 10 days ago? It feels like that's about the right time, uh, time frame that we learnt that Maori Law would be not defending his Inter-Dominion title and would be retired, which um, would be a bit of a bitter pill for you to swallow, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was about right, about 10 days ago or so. I'm sort of waiting on, um, you know, getting the uh, report back from the from the veterinary clinic. But, um, yeah, essentially it was, uh, it was you know, a bit of pill to swallow. But, you know, we had to think what was best for the horse. And um, it, it was more just he was he was running out of time with, with his age and so forth like that. So we didn't really want to put him under any sort of unnecessary uh, stress or anything like that to try to get him back. So, um, you know, uh, we sort of uh, just have to be appreciative of um, the time we had with him uh, as a racehorse. Well, I'll, I'll never forget the uh, expression on your face when he gave you your greatest moment up there at Tabcourt Park, Menangle. And so you'll always, always, always have the memories. And, yes, he has done his job. So, uh if it wasn't going to work out, uh, best for him to enjoy the rest of his life. Very good horse, Maori Law, into Dominion winner. Now, here's a horse that I love, Vincenzina. I don't know how, but, well, to be fair, probably I've missed a couple of times when backing her, but I have found her when she has won. I reckon this race, this third event on Saturday night, maps very well for her. How, do, how are you looking at it? Yeah, look, at this stage, I probably haven't looked at it um, too, uh, too closely, Um I was still really happy with her run um, last week. It was probably one of her quickest times, even though she ran fifth or sixth, I think. Um, but look, they were just juggernauts of those mares, um, you know, uh, of Emma's. They're, um, yeah, they're just incredible animals. But um, yeah, she's she, when she's in the right place at the right time in the right field, um, she can definitely still finish off. Um, and get the job done for sure. Well, I reckon she's going to be behind the leader, so she's drawn inside the second row. Puntaway might be able to lead even three poles. Now, she's got a really good turn of foot, but we know when you're strung up along the pegs, particularly if things didn't work out in your three poles, you need absolute push-button speed. Does she have that kind of pace where you tell her to go and it happens straight away, or does she have to go through her gears a little bit? We've lost Emmett there for a moment. Sounds like she's got to go through her gears. We'll see if we can get him back, because I do want to hear not only about Vincenzina, but also about Baltica a little bit later in the card. Um, we have Emmett back, I believe, just talking about Vincenzina. Has she got that real push-button speed? It looks like she does, Emmett. Yeah, she definitely does, um, especially if there's this speed on in the race. It really helps. Um, but it, um, her last win, she probably got a good track into it but when I was able to pull the trigger she she accelerated really quickly mm. for you know 200 meters so she can definitely do that for sure uh now she's not the replacement for Maori law going into it into Dominion series maybe but another one I love geez I love your camp Emmett it seems but I uh <laughs> I've got a special passion for Baltica she's just been so wonderful started her career so late and you've shown patience with her and uh she's rewarding you again once you get to this level nothing's easy but Gee, she couldn't be going any better, I don't reckon. No, nah, she's going really, really well. Um, obviously, she sort of ran third in the Kilmore Cup, sitting outside, just believe. But, you know, she, she 
she really only just got nudged on the line by, you know, um, I think have force will travel sitting on her back. So it was, um, it was a good test to kind of show where she's at. She's definitely going to be amongst those, um, I believe amongst those better horses, but, um, Again, it's it's pretty deep, the trotting ranks looking like, and um, she has to come up against Queen Alita, who is unreal in the Bill Collins. So, um, you know, there's no uh, no easy races um, for her anymore, but uh, she's she's definitely holding her form up. She just doesn't get her opportunity to probably, like, lead. Do you sort of look at this race and think, well, if Queen Alita's going to sit back again, I've just got to get around there as quickly as possible, maybe even press and see if I can find the front and and set up as big a margin as I possibly can between uh, between yourself and Queen Alida, knowing how quickly she gets home? Yeah, it does look a little bit that way. And, and I think um, Boltzka's kind of versatile enough to, to do that. She's she's kind of... I've been able to drive her any which way I've kind of wanted. Um, and and probably after Kilmore Cup, I, you know, I think she even showed a little bit of toughness... Uh, that I didn't actually think she had, you know, mm. she really hung in tight. Um, so it does look like that could potentially be an option, but yeah, just got to see how it plays out. Yeah, she's definitely uh, gotten stronger, but that was always going to happen, wasn't it? Because she she had such, I mean, she still hasn't had a, a stack of racing, has she? I mean, she's she uh, even despite her age, she's only going to get better and better, I think, even now over the next sort of six months, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And um and and with that probably still just kind of working out exactly, you know, especially at this level now, um the best way to sort of yeah. track with her. Um so going forward, um I think, you know, we'll see how she goes in some of these mares races which I, as I said previously, I was always keen to um to sort of test her out in and then um and then hopefully um, you know, she might uh, scrape into the uh, into the minion series, which I think would be you know a pretty cool uh, cool thing to uh, to do again. Oh, she she bloody well better. I want to. <laughs> um, well done, mate. Very much appreciate your time and good luck with those runners on the weekend. Yeah, thank you, Jason. There's Emmett Brosnan. Uh, they've got a close collaboration, or have had Emmett Brosnan and Jeff Webster. So I've kept it all in the family so far this morning. It's time to take a break. We'll come back. Tom Bank will play your nice little song to link up. And then when we return after 12, Michael Guerin and Jamie Cox shut to join us here on the Thursday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. Welcome to Thursday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. What a lovely little segue playing uh, playing that song for uh, Michael Guerin, uh, stolen by an Australian girl, when in fact it is Vic Runga's song from many years ago. This is what we do, isn't it, Michael? We we take whatever we love from New Zealand and we try and make it our own here in Australia. Just lost Michael for a moment. Hopefully we can get him back. Um, maybe you're so offended at. Are you there, mate? Yeah, I, I thought you might have been so offended at an Australian girl, Amy Shark, singing Big Runga's song there that you just decided to leave us for a moment, uh, Michael. But I was just saying, we take whatever we love out of New Zealand and, and call it Australian. This is what we've done for years. 
Well, they'll try and do the same thing now that rock and roll do has arrived in New Zealand today for the New Zealand Cup because <clears throat> I only found out recently that he, on his damn side, he's bred back to New Zealand. And trust me, if he wins the New Zealand Cup, all the breeders over here will be trying to say he's one of ours, even though he is very <laughs> much one of yours, one of the Victorians. And look, if he steps away in the Ashburton Flying Stakes, which is 11 days away, if he steps away and wins there, he'll be the rarest of all things, and that will be an Australian-trained New Zealand Cup favourite. Forget winning, I mean, that's hard enough to do, but to to come over the top of a horse like Self-Assured, who's won an Auckland Cup and New Zealand Cup and the race by Grins, to be favourite on Mark Purden's home track, well, this is a horse that was $26 to win the New Zealand Cup with the TAB over here before he won the Kilmore Cup, and the hype around the horse, which is much deserved, has got so big that, um, yeah, he, he could well start favourite on Cup Day November the 8th. Well, it was it was, uh, it was very interesting, the chat that we had last week in the lead-up to the Victoria Cup. Um, and I'm not talking about the uh, the long chats. were exceptionally enjoyable on, uh, on Friday night in particular. But on air, you use the term for rock and roll do, he's a sledgehammer of a horse. And that was that was really played out on Saturday night, wasn't it? That was That was a sledgehammer of a performance. Well, not many do that. Um, you know, Melton's a hard place to sit parked unless you're in a three-year-old race, you know, or two-year-old race. But you know, the very good horses can do it. Lock and Barat and Lazarus being the two most obvious ones. In many ways, he sat parked and won a good race against very good horses. Let's not, you know, forget expensive ego. Actually, won the Inter Dominion last year before being relegated. Um, he, he won that just as easy, if not easier, than Lazarus and Warlock and Barat did when they set part for their feature race wins um, in Hunter Cups. So, look, I, I think he's a very, very good horse. He's got a beautiful body on him, which would suggest he'll handle the rigours of New Zealand racing because Addington's a bigger track. If you want Australian horses to handle Addington, you would hope they've handled Menangle, which this horse clearly has done. And um, I think the standing starts now. The key, Dave, on. I had a good talk to Mark Purden yesterday, who you know loves a good horse, even if it's not his own. And I said, "Did you watch the Victoria Cup?" He said, "I watched it." He said, "He's very, very good." Uh, I think the only New Zealand horse who can beat the proper version of Rock and Roll do is Self Assured, and even then, I don't think if they go head to head at their best, you'll beat them. Or I, I think if you add Majestic Cruiser to that mix. All of a sudden, the New Zealand Cup, which for the last couple of years has been a race people have watched and wished they were there because of COVID and all the terrible stuff that went with that. I think there's going to be a lot of Australians who, who are now thinking, hey, New South Wales is there, Victorians are here. I want to be jumping on that jet. I want to get to Addington for November the 8th. And that's what we've all been dreaming about, among other things, of course, Jason, for the last couple of years. But in a harness racing tense, this is exactly what the industry needs. And then dual state Australian horses going to take on the Kiwis at their best and then hopefully reversing that and then sending the Kiwis back for anti-dominions slash hundred cups and miracle miles. So maybe, maybe there is finally the light at the end of the tunnel uh, is something we can bathe in very shortly. Well, it's not only, not only for, for the, uh, for the Kiwi locals, but no doubt over many years being the, one of the great jewels in the Australasian harness racing crown that Australian uh, trainers, owners have desperately wanted to win a New Zealand Cup. Brendan James is one of them. They are risking. In fact, right now, the Inter-Dominion for Rock and Roll Do is completely 
on the bench, it's unlikely because of their desire to come over and win a New Zealand Cup. Are we? Is this only a short period of time we're looking at here, Michael? Or in the post Mark Purden era, where he, you know he had so many horses and was so dominant, and he's going to continue to be dominant, but not in the same way that he was previously. That more and more and more Australians are going to say this is really an opportunity, and this is only the start of a trend that we expect might continue and grow over the next decade. Look, first of all, um, a lot will depend on what can roll rock and roll do a Majestic Cruiser do. Yeah. They, they went there and competed <clears throat> over the autumn in the race and, and Majestic Cruiser won the messenger. And one of the greatest changes has been not only had the Australians come to the yearling sale and bought a lot of good going New Zealand, well not young New Zealand mares, but obviously also bought some going mares. So the broodmare band in Australia has improved. But also, 30 years ago, Vance Hanover stood in New Zealand and then was a completely dominant stallion and there was no semen transport. So there were no Vance Hanovers racing in Australia much. And then we would just go over there with Christopher Vance and Choken and Rakleys and just budging you to death. But <clears throat> now you have semen transport. The two pools of mares and the, the Australian pool of mares was enormously inferior to New Zealand, is now catching up. Um, they have the ability to go to the same stallions. And when you have good mares, you don't mind spending 25000 for better delight or 12000 for a major, whatever those horses are. Whereas when you have those little country mares who are racing at Mildura or Bathurst, you're not going to pay that money for them. So that's the huge thing. Yes, there's a lot of very good trainers in Australia, but there's been very good trainers in Australia since the beginning of time. What's changed is the breed. And again, rock and roll doing, we're not claiming him, but he does go back to New Zealand mares. You, know, you, you have that blood coming in. And it's no different to the European blood or the Japanese blood, you know, which comes into some of our thoroughbreds at the moment. So it's a fascinating thing. And the other thing, too, is obviously people are tailoring their training for different horses. I think a horse like Captain Ravishing will end up being an outstanding miler at Menangle. Do I think Captain Ravishing will win a Hunter Cup? No, I don't. Because I think there are very much two different breeds of horses. Mm. And, and Rock and Roll Do and Majestic Cruiser are bred to do this. Whereas some of the Captain Treacheresses, some of the Art Majors, some of the Sun Beach, some Weirs are bred to do other things. Uh, and I think that's going to be, um, uh, you know, not, not all horses, not all horses are exactly like that. But I think heading forward, you're going to see a lot more of that. And then you'll have the occasional crossover horse. Rock and Roll is good enough to be a crossover horse. Selfish Horse is good enough to be a crossover horse. But um, we're going to see a lot more of these horses, those American-bred horses who have that real fight and fire in them, that real buzz-up. They're going to be the Menangle best milers. And those horses with more strength through the shoulder, um, like a rock and roll do, they're going to be the horses who turn up and win New Zealand Cups. And then you've got um, the Victoria Cup and races like that in between, haven't you, where you get to see everyone go against each other over a middle trip like we did on Saturday night. Tell me this, it was a great night, the feedback... Uh, for the meeting, huge crowd at Tabcorp Park, Melton. Wish I had been out there. You were, uh, and the coverage obviously very well received. What were a couple of your other highlights? Leap to Fame's record would suggest he's another one of these very, very good horses who in a year or two might be able to go to a New Zealand Cup, and he's got the right breeding being by Better's Delight. Do you get the impression that he's a really, really good horse or that he's been able to be dominant in this generation? Because not many win three derbies in a season. No, no, look, it, it hasn't been a great three-year-old crop out like Captain Ravishing, who I don't think was suited by the 2700, and he's still very new. The rest of them aren't much good. When you go back through three-year-old crops and you compare to how they go in, in, in 
rating races. Major Perrier in second in the New South Wales Derby. Um, can't find a better man. Was really good in the Derby in Queensland. They're not horses who are going to end up being dominant open class horses. Mm. So it's easy to get carried away with him. But his times are very, very good. Um, I would like to see him put on 20 kilos. But yeah, he's only three. There's plenty of time to do that. Yes, he, he's going to be a better horse than Colt 31. And Colt 31 won about 35 races or something like that. And, and has been a grand circuit horse. So he'll be a grand circuit horse. Whether he's a really good Grand Circuit horse uh, might depend on just how much he holds together and, and also what sort of Grand Circuit we have. There's, there's a potential we could have a really good Grand Circuit this time next year with Rock and Roll Do, some of the good open class horses, but also this horse and a cooter and Captain Ravishing for a Miracle Mile coming through. So, um, yes, I think he's a very good three year old, but as we saw with Courage Under Fire, one six derbies mm. and was a better three-year-old than this horse. Mm. He was never a dominant Grand Circuit horse. He was a very good Grand Circuit horse, but he was never dominant because he just didn't get much better. He's an old Russell, but a little mighty mouse. Before I let you go, I did uh, read a couple of tweets. I know this is a harness racing show, but um, uh, we've got the 100-year storm happening here right now and uh, plenty of New Zealand copping it as well, and there's going to be a, a major thoroughbred race in the weekend that's going to be affected by it. Yeah, the Livermore's on it is the, the last of the Hawks Bay Triple Crown, and it'll be a heavy track. Um, and there's a horse called Mustang Valley in there who'll be awfully, awfully hard to beat because she's by far the best performed heavy track horse. But every galloping trainer I talk to is just like, God, I'm sick of this. Because, you know, Andrew Forsman took cheese lickety split to the Ganesh yesterday and thought he could win. Once the heavy rain came, he was thrilled to run third. And I think it's really getting to the bottom of some trainers. Obviously, they still win the races. Some win, some win. But, gee, I, I can't remember a spring like it. Um, it does make you remember, you know, or feel grateful for harness racing not having these issues. I know we've had a harness racing being cancelled in Victoria today, but on the whole, the surface is the same every week. And that's one of the strengths, and that's one of the strengths the new broadcast team have to pump out to people, have to tell people, you know, this is a really cool sport. Um, it hasn't been well served with its broadcasting sometimes in the past because of the very busy Saturday night calendars. But I think if we can produce six to eight to ten really good nights on television and really good engaging trots vision for the other nights, then we might get people to watch harness racing because you can have great races and great horses. You can have anything you want. But if your broadcast is a shit, then no one's going to listen to it. No one's going to watch it. Because television is the great god of sport, whether it's television watched on a TV on, on a TV or watched on your phone. The broadcast is the great god. And if it's done badly, nobody wants to watch it because there's so much stuff that's done well. And I think we're seeing a renaissance of that in harness racing at the moment with the association with racing.com too, which is going to be taking it to a broader audience. So there's some good stuff happening. We just need to make sure it keeps happening and make sure we um, we don't celebrate the small victories because... It still is a 52-a-week year business. And we've got to get better and better and better because uh, everybody else is going to be trying to do the same. Very, very quickly before I let you go, uh, I reckon you might have giddy-up Gareth Hall and maybe Josh Jenkins over there joining you for the New Zealand Cup, particularly with uh, Rock and Roll Do and Majestic Cruiser being there. <clears throat> when do we get you back, mate? It was very, very enjoyable having you here. Will you be back at the start of the Inter-Dominion or somewhere there? I'm coming, for, I'm coming for the last three nights of the Inter Dominion. I've actually got a family wedding, which is most unfortunate. I don't want to go to the hosting. Um, I'm coming for the Inter Dominions, and I'm really looking forward to getting it to the regions. I'm looking forward to it going to places. Uh, I, I know it doesn't 
please all the trainers, but I think taking the Inter-Dominions to three of the smaller places is massive. Yeah. And it gives people listening to the show who live in Shepparton the chance to go, I can go see these horses. This is cool. Um, so I reckon it's going to be a wonderful Inter-Dominion. And if people don't want to go, that's their choice. But we also know it comes down to money. If the New Zealand Cup was 200 grand, Rock and Roll do wouldn't have arrived in New Zealand today. It's 650 grand, so he did. And the Inter-Dominion needs to be a million dollars. Not my money to spend, but I still think the Inter-Dominion is a million dollars, so raising 500 grand, and the Eureka being $1.6 million, we've got exactly the same fields or better fields in the case of the Inter-Dominion. So I think uh, I think we need to make the Inter-Dominion a million dollars. I'm not sure how you do that, but I think the sooner we do that, the better, because at the moment, some Australians, no, no Kiwis think this, but some Australians think it's the premier harness race in Australasia, uh, it simply isn't because the New Zealand Cup and the Miracle Mile have usurped it because they're worth more money and you have to go around once. It's it's bloody sad. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It has to be a million dollars. And, well, there's plenty of ideas on how to raise the money. But, again, that's um, our job is to try and broadcast the sport as well as we can. Good on you, Mick. It's been great chatting with you, mate. Look forward to talking to you soon, brother. Go. Michael Guerin joining us as always on a Thursday straight after midday. We'll go for a break when we come back. Well, 12.30, maybe we'll get him on early, I think. Jamie Cox shot to give us his tips and we'll reflect on some great action last weekend as well. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Hello and welcome back to Trots Live. We've got about 27 minutes left in this Thursday edition. Don't forget tomorrow, Friday form panel. Dan Mulligan and myself once again locking horns, trying to find winners for the 10 race program at Tabcourt Park, Melton, this Saturday night. And also big racing Sunday at Maryborough with the Maryborough Gold Cup and also the Maryborough Trotters Cup. But for now, we're trying to find winners in Tasmania. And the man who always delivers on that front is Jamie Cockshut. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Jase. Before we get stuck in, actually, um, you would have been a happy man. Uh, you were another that was really passionately advocating the case for rock and roll dude just simply being better than his rivals and uh, were proven right with a with a brutal performance on Saturday night in the Victoria Cup. Yeah, it's just good to see him, you know, finally putting it all together and starting to, you know, to show the durability he's got, mate. But, yeah, he was the most versatile horse in that race and, that's the main reason I was pretty bullish with him because not many of the others in the race were tough. You know, they're pretty speed horses, the other ones. But um, Rock and Roll do. He's got all the attributes to, to go all the way to the top, mate. Did, did, you, did you expect that kind of arrogance? So, I mean, to sit parked outside of expensive ego, who admittedly didn't go his best, but just to treat... He, he literally treated them like he's he's in a, in a slightly different world. I won't say to win as easy as he did and as arrogant as he did, but I thought he, I thought he would do it pretty easy, to be honest. Um, just, just because there's a lot of horses in that race. Like Honolulu Bay is a really nice horse, but he races best at front of the field. Um, expensive ego, his form has waned a little bit, and better Eclipse, you know, was good. But it got pushed back on the inside once it got out. It hit the line strongly, but you know, Mick Stanley made his own luck and he made his intentions clear and. Um, the rest of his history, mate. 
All right, let's move on to uh, find some winners for the future now. Let's uh, start with Lonnie and a couple of best bets there. I'll go to Lonnie on Sunday night. It's a pretty tough mate, to be honest, Jase. But we'll go in race two, number 13, Bridwood Bella. She's a pretty handy mare. She always has been, but she's been a bit headstrong in her early days. But Rowan Hadley's done a great job with her. Um, drawn outside the second line, so I reckon Hillier, who's Rowan Hillier, who's driving it, will get a bit of a card into the race. And she's been ten metres, mate. Should we have too much speed for arrivals late? And you know she can get the job done around about the three fifty four dollar mark. Race three, number two, Just Tiger. This is a training, um, a non-winner's race. Drawn two, he can either bully his way to the lead or sit parks, and I reckon he's just too good for his drivers. A couple of value. Race four, number eight, Silver Destiny. Uh, just got the right draw. Going to do no work just in behind him, and there's probably a little bit of pressure up front, and if he gets the gaps at the right time, I reckon he can get the job done as well. And race seven, number nine, Queen of Dance. Got a good trailing draw, should settle midfield, and just needs average luck from the 800 to be a great winning chance around the five or six dollar mark. And a couple of odds, race eight, number two, written in silk. Um, no form to recommend, but this is a pretty thin race and does have gate speed, so it'd be interesting to see what they do if they use it or, or just sitting behind the speed. But either way, 10 or 12 dollars will give a good side. And race nine, number two, Benjamin Nyad. He's pretty similar, to be honest. Just races up on speed, just keeps plugging away, and this is not a strong race. It wouldn't shock me at all to see him put his head out at the finish line in front and around the 10 or $12 mark as well, mate. All right, that's our best bet. Race two, number 13, Redwood Bella. Race three, number two, Just Tiger. These are Sunday at Lonnie. Value selections. Race four, number eight, Seal the Destiny. And race seven, number nine, Queen of Dance. And at odds, race is it race eight number two first of all, Jamie? And race yeah, race nine, eight number two. Yep, number two. Yep, that's it, mate. And race nine number two as well. That's Benjamin Noyad. And if we're going to play a quaddy, uh, we can afford to play wide here and look for a little bit of value. Yeah, it's pretty tough, mate. To be honest, uh, first leg we'll go two, five, six, eight, and twelve. Second leg two, five, eight, eleven, and twelve. Third leg three, nine, and ten. Last week, one, two, six, and eleven. You know, it's going to cost us seventy-five dollars just to get twenty percent, but we do get it. There should be a bit of value, so we should cover our cost at least. And let's just hope there's a one of those pops up and you know gives us a better dividend. And before we uh, go to the news, uh, we'll touch on some results from last Sunday as well, Jamie. Yeah, it's a pretty good meeting at Hobart. It's just good to see you know, like people like Tony Peterson. He's a Hall of Fame. Driver and driver in the industry, and he's been training for probably ten or fifteen years. He's had a few horses for me, to be honest, but he had a bit of a hiatus for a couple of years. And in recent weeks, he's bounced back with a couple of two-year-old fillies from Victoria called Firecracker Mola and the Shante Queen, and they've both won in the last couple of weeks. So it's just great to see Tony back with a couple of handy little young horses. Um, Winita McKenzie. It's not often we see Winita train a couple of winners at twenty-six dollars and fourteen dollars in consecutive races, but. Just goes to prove just how talented she is, and a few people might have had the double bit of luck, and you know, remember about the 401, because she does have a pretty decent follow on Juanita. Um, the other one I want to touch on is way better. Trained by Mark Jeeves, who's more famous for Flashing Red days. Um, he used to be the driver and co-trainer of Flashing Red when he raced in Tasmania, but he's done a great job with his little mare. She's won three out of her last four way better, and she just keeps improving, so, you know, it's hard to give her 
pat on the back to Mark. And last of all, mate, Steve Lukak and his owner, Greg West, um, they buy horses from New Zealand and they do a pretty good job of them. And they've got a really nice one in, called Linrid, Skinrid, I think it's called. Um, he had two starts in the state and he was absolutely arrogant last week, mate, when just saw to the lead, raced away, it was 20, 25 metres in front race of the way and just done it easy and... He's a horse that, you know, could really go forward in Tasmania and get to open class in, you know, in coming weeks and months, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Great to have a chat with you, uh, Jamie, again. I just want to touch on a couple of other highlights probably from um, Saturday night as well. What you made of the uh, what you made of the meeting overall here in Victoria. We know that was a, a bit of a jewel in the crown and a new broadcast and all the rest of it. Rock and roll do was clearly the highlight, but... Um, you always get plenty on those big nights, don't you? Greg Sugars had been pretty bullish about Just Believe winning that Bill Collins sprint, said it was his best of the night. Leap to fame, three derbies in Cypher Dominant in the Oaks. It was just a, a magnificent night and something harness racing really needs. Uh, those really huge nights to come off the way Saturday night did to try and build that momentum. Oh, it was, mate. And it's just great to see HRV and all the powers to be really, you know, making it live, live on TV for people to tune in, like on the Racing Dog Cop channel, the Trot Vision thing. Um, it's gone to a new level with HRV in the last four to five years, in my eyes. They're doing an outstanding job, and that's what's leading to the success and lifting the profile of harness racing in Victoria and, and, and Australia, you know, in recent years. And, and that's what we need, mate. It's got to continue to grow, you know, live vision, Trot's vision, you know, just everybody in all states should jump on this and, you know, let's get up there and we're never going to get to the Gallup industry, the thoroughbred industry, but let's make harness racing fun and get the people back involved like it was 30, 40 years ago, mate, or 20, 30 years ago, mate. Harness racing was as big as Gallup racing 20, 30 years ago, but in recent years it's weaned. And whatever we've got to do to get it back there, mate, let's all of us support it and get behind it and, and get it back up at their in lights. But like as you mentioned, you know, the, the win of Leek to fame was good. You know, he was very good in defeat. You know, like Captain Ravishing lost no admirers whatsoever, mate. He done all the work and he's the new kid on the block and you know he's gonna take a lot of benefit and he'll bounce back in, in, in coming months, that's for sure. Um you mentioned Just Believe he was a super winner and he's gone to another level since being transferred to um Jess and Greg and you know Michael you've done a great job with him but just gone to another level in recent months and he's going to be a big player in the upcoming Inter Dominion series as well and you touched on inside so once he found the lead the race was over you know Pet, Petty, Petty Lont I think he she ran a really good race to be honest Pet, whatever I think it was um, and yeah there's, there's a lot of highlights mate but you know rock and roll do leak to fame are probably the main two for me Have you got uh, before I let you go got to, we go to the news um, have you got any futures bets going into the Inter-Dominion yet, Jamie? No, I had rock and roll do. Oh, <laughs> no. can't wait for it. <laughs> Before, oh, I think I got him at $51 going oh. way back a few months ago. But, but that's just the way you think you go, mate. But I'm, I'm wrapped to see him in New Zealand. I'll love nothing better to see him. Uh, not much so sticking up the Kiwis, but show the Kiwis how good he is. And let's just hope on the 2nd November on... Second Tuesday in November, Mick Stanley's crossing that line, waving his whip, and um, Rock and Roll Do's taking out the New Zealand Pacing Cup, mate. Yeah, and then I'll forget, I'll, forget, I'll forget all about the $51 in the Dominion if that happens. 100%. And, you know, 
They're saying no at the moment, but who knows? Uh, go over there and smash them in the New Zealand Cup. Horses feeling good comes back here. You never know. Um, well done, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week, mate. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Um, just a little segment here where we're going to have a look at the the, uh, the messages from earlier. <coughs> Problematically, though, I mean, there's one from Higo, the great Higo, uh, that came so long ago that I don't know what he was talking about. How'd they bet $21 from Higo? Um, I don't know, because I can't remember what we were talking about at 11.09 Higo. But I don't know how they did either. Ridiculous overs. Um, will they be racing canoes at Kilmore also from Higo? I I think that'll, that'll be their only option. And Tom Bang is, is news now emanating through that Ballarat has been called off in the thoroughbreds as well. Yes. A little bit uh, less work for Cam and Tags. Cam, Luke and, uh, and, the, and the skipper, the captain, David Taggart, to do today. But to be honest, just makes their job harder. Um, I don't understand the conjecture about it, says Patrick. This is about the sprint lane at Bray Raceway, Ballarat. Why do people always complain? Ballarat is a great venue regardless. Rousey does a great job. This Rousey is a legend. One of the uh, one of the truly great men of uh, of harness racing in Victoria and Australia, Paul Rouse. And everyone at Ballarat, that's been a legacy uh, even handed down to Rousey. Uh, from uh, Paul James and, and a, a huge number of people that have been involved in that club, um, Colin and Heather Holloway. So many, so many people have been involved in making Ballarat a great club, and it, it, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be bantered about too much. I don't think the uh, the sprint lane situation. I'm probably happy that uh, they're willing to do it for the Inter Dominion series, whether they choose to install a sprint lane full time. Uh, at Ballarat and make it, uh, I think then the only track that would be left in Victoria without a sprint lane would be Mildura, and I don't know whether they could even put one in, um, but that's entirely up to them, and as you mentioned, Patrick, they are such an amazing club, and they've done such a wonderful job for harness racing, they can choose to do whatever they like. Um, sorry, I didn't get to uh, tell Michael this big fella. Morning, Arvo, Jason and Tom Banger. Just wanted to thank Mick on Saturday night, or should I say Sunday morning, for taking his time out to come over and have a little chat for a few minutes with the riffraff like me. You're not the riffraff, big fella. What a ripper bloke. Cheers from big fella. He's a very, very, very good man. He's uh, Michael Gear and I had a great, great, uh, great night with him. Actually, the Friday, the eve of the of the Victoria Cup, I had a good chat about a, a whole range of subjects. And he's a he's a pretty wise character, and he's he's always enthusiastic, always up and about, and always. Ready for a chat. And this text. Hey, Bon, can crime win again Sunday? That's crime rider. He can. He can win. He's going too well not to be a winning hope. But you'd want the right price. You, you even saw um, in that popular arm free-for-all on Saturday night with crime rider, he sort of – it was funny. If you go back through his uh, big wins during the Queensland Carnival or his dramatic wins, he looks like he's got this – 
extraordinary turn of foot uh, in those wins. But you can see on Saturday night, he's actually best when he can put his head down and plug off a very, very, very genuine tempo. Probably the concern here is if those Emma Stewart-trained runners like um, Acknow and Beyond Delight and even our millionaire get up on the speed and totally dictate terms, Crime Rider is not the kind of horse who can then whip around and apply the heat and uh, and make his own luck. He wants them to run along. If they sit up, see, this is the thing about these long-distance races these days. Uh, you know, you will see races like the Derby on uh, on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park where, you know, you've got a, a powerful, strong stayer by better delight like Leap to Fame who can roll along in fast sectionals throughout. But quite often in these um, in these country cups and these older age races, they don't do a hell of a lot and it turns into an 800-metre sprint home and that's not going to suit Crime Rider. What Crime Rider does need are horses like Better Be The Bomb and Torrid Saint to just take off, even though they're not typically known as those kind of horses. He needs them to take off, put themselves into the race and and apply some heat a fair way out from home so that there is at least some vulnerability in those leaders. But look, Beyond Delight was magnificent first up from a break. <clears throat> Our millionaire was huge. It'd be interesting to find out if now does lead and dictates terms where he's at. Um, trials in preparation for his return to racing were excellent. We know this time last year he was putting his name up in lights, sweeping the Victoria Derby Series, and people were talking about him as the next big thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets a few favours and he gets things his own way on Sunday in that Maryborough Gold Cup whether he can produce something close to his best or something in, indicative of the thought that he can go on and and really challenge in those uh, in those better races that I think were planned for him this time last year. Time for our final break here on Trots Life Thursday edition. Back in a moment. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Nobody compares There's a drop. The drop hasn't started to drop from the clouds as badly as expected yet, but it's just ominous. It's almost like it's it's mocking us. I'll tell you what, though, and people who are going to get flooded don't, don't need to hear this, this little um, observation from the bomb, but last night was beautiful. It was kind of... Humid, balmy. It was actually warm. Sat on the balcony, trying to work out these races for Saturday night. In my own mind, so we're going to do the Friday form panel uh, tomorrow, ten thirty till twelve. Um, Dan Malecki and I, and burning questions today. Hopefully, I can stay on the call this time. Andy Gath, the great man, the legend, triumphant return to BQ, and he'll be supported ably in his tasks. By Chris Alford and Nathan Jack. What a star-studded combination we will have to try and answer some of the questions for the weekend. With a few minutes remaining until we say sayonara, and I know we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing the uh, Friday form panel, FFP, tomorrow morning. But here are some of my early thoughts on the Saturday night meeting. First event on the card, Beach Villa probably wins, but... He's just not one you want to launch into. He's going to be short odds, isn't he? I, 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 talking to Jeff Webster earlier on today uh, on this very show, 
he was sort of, I don't know, there was a, a partial concession to Beach Villa, but yeah, look, if he finds a friend, he'll, he'll brain them, but yeah. Race two, Serge Blanco, I'm very keen on. Should be leading and winning, I think, first up from a break. Had good form in New Zealand, came over here, first few starts were solid enough. I I think he finds his race. Unless Arden Roanoke wants to kick up and hold him, uh, I don't know why he would want to. So I'm uh, I'm pretty keen on Serge Blanco in race two. Third event's a good one, isn't it? Um, Vincenzina, as mentioned, I've got a soft spot for. Non Peril, though, somehow missed out on the Oaks final, but was absolutely enormous in the heat. And if she brings that kind of form, the daughter of arms of an angel, she's going to be hard to beat. And Kikawa's starting to find itself again now. Um, three runs back from a break for two wins, but I'll price dependent, but non Peril or Vincenzina for me. It will be. A little bit of hip-hop there. Tatlow Stakes, first of the features on Saturday night at Melton. Group 2 level, the locomotive. Uh, it be interesting to hear Nathan Jack's thoughts, whether they'll just be winning the major danger. Well, there might be a few, but Susan is her name, is the one. We don't know how good she is uh, for Emma Stewart. Was first up for that camp and absolutely blazed home in scintillating final splits. First up from a break, so uh, we'll get the uh, the good word from Nathan Jack on his opinion of that race via burning questions. First leg of the quaddy, it looks like Albie Two Chains to lead and mighty flying out behind the leader. One of the two should win. Albie Two Chains was heavily back first up from a break on Saturday night at Tab Court Park, Melton, and things just didn't quite work out for him. But uh, with the pole marking draw and the lead likely, his will be very hard to beat. But mighty flying out has been has been flying for a fair while now. Race six, really tough race. I might even be leaning towards my old mate loving a Chevy there at value. Um, he's drawn the second row over 17-20, but it's the right kind of race for him. The big one is the Cadenage Jewelers Victoria Trotters Oaks. Uh, Andy Galeno, what a strong hand he holds here. Revelstoke, Cormayeur, Amandine, Egret. Um, one suspects that Egret will lead and then hand up to Amandine and they'll dominate proceedings from there as the uh, skipper just rolls into the studio. The great tags. Uh, race eight, the Elder Baron Park Mouldy Miss Trotter's Freak for All. This is where Queen Elida will be looking to bounce back. We'll be talking to Chris Alford about this one, trying to get some sort of sense of redemption. Just had no luck whatsoever in the group one. Bill Collins Trotter sprint on Saturday night, ripped home from back in the field. Uh, we'll likely be coming with one run again, taking on her own gender. I think she's the one. Race nine. This is going to be probably my best on the card. Cobber, we spoke about uh, this horse with Jeff Webster. Pole marking draw, 17-20, right grade, 68 to 74, dropping down from tackling uh, really high-quality horses. Probably does go better with a trail, but on this occasion, he's just drawn to lead and drawn to lead and go very, very, very close to winning. And the final event on the card on Saturday night. Again, we'll be going through these with a much finer tooth comb with Dan Malecki in the Friday form panel tomorrow. But I'm hoping to see some beat Shadow turn up back here on Victorian soil, back with his original trainer, Craig Demler, and give it a real shake. Ozzy Butler will be leading, but some beat Shadow from behind the leader. I'd love to see him back because he's a very smart horse when he's in the mood. That's been another fun edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. On a Thursday, we'll be back, as mentioned, from 10.30 tomorrow morning with the Friday form panel. But for now, the legends are coming in. The big boys, Cam, Luke and Dave Taggart, to take you through as much racing as they can, but not at Ballarat. That's been called off. Definitely called off. Au revoir.